Swoosh has revolutionized the game. Swoosh is a training system that helps players learn and coaches teach perfect shot mechanics faster and more efficiently than anything else on the market. Get yours at swooshofficial.com. That's S-W-S-H official.com to get yours today and score more. Welcome to Fadeaways and Fundamentals. I am your host, Andre Perano. Today's guest, Atope from Compton Magic, joins the show. We talk hoops, life. Let's dive right in with Atope. Welcome to Fadeaways and Fundamentals. I am your host, Andre Perano, here with my man of the hour. Atope, the CEO of the Compton Magic's AAU basketball team. Coach, how are you? Awesome. I'm awesome. Proud to be on here, man. Oh, man. Thank you for uh, being on my show. Thank you for uh, allowing me the time and uh, to pick your brain about the number one program in the nation. Is that correct? Uh, I hope so. I mean, I was from, from top to bottom and from history and from all the things that... Um, you know, like obviously, there's teams that uh, have their day as far as playing is concerned. But I would like to say that, as far as from you know, going from community work and all the things that we do, I hope that we're considered one of those top programs for sure. Yes, absolutely. Um, so along your journey in basketball, who influenced you in in hoops? Well, I first started um, back in 1988. Uh, I worked a camp called Superstar Camp in Santa Barbara at UCSB. And my, I was playing at UC Irvine, and um, when I played with at UC Irvine, my coach Bill Mulligan, uh, rest in peace, he passed away. But he sent me to Superstar Camp to recruit some players. So I didn't really know what I was, you know, doing. That he sent me to be a counselor and um, work the camp. So I went to Santa Barbara, um, went up there, come to find that two of my good friends were kind of running the camp, Alex Austin and and Isaac Austin and the camp just, I was fascinated by um, just the whole operation because it was a camp where the kids came, they played, and they played in front of college coaches. And that was my first event in the grassroots space. And I was just fascinated by it. So that whole camp, I just worked my butt off and did what I could to impress the owner. And um, two years later, she made me vice president of the whole camp. So I was already in college. I was already working in the grassroots era. By 1989, I was already heavy in grassroots. So that's what got my start. Wow. Okay. I remember, now, I graduated um, a little later. I was uh, 1997, and I got invited to an ABDC Adidas camp. And it was the same thing. Scouts everywhere, top players in the nation. And to me, it it was a real eye opener to tell me what level I really was at. Well, ABCD at the time, if you remember, so I still our camp had evolved. Then me and Dino Stragonis that did an All West camp. By that time, we had I had moved over and I was running another camp. But you know, ABCD camp was the cream of the crop. It was the best players in the country. I remember the one year I can't think of what year it was. They did it at UC Irvine one year. Because um, it used to be back east, and one of those years, Sonny Vaccaro had moved that camp 
to Irvine, but Seneca Carl is like the godfather of grassroots, and he's the one who founded that camp. And that camp is one of the, um, you know, it's not around anymore, but when it was in, when it was in play, it was the main thing. It was, I mean, all the guys who were going to go to the NBA played in that camp. Yes. So um, it was it was it was a really big deal at the time because you know all the main guys that were NBA prospects and high major college prospects attended that camp. Absolutely. I mean, I played against the Collins twins. I remember. I remember everybody talking about the the number one player out of Alaska. He was he was a freshman at the time. I was a sophomore going. I was there my sophomore year, and my junior year, and everybody kept talking about this guy, Carlos Boozer, and I was like, "Who is this kid?" Whatever. This kid comes out, and he was a absolute monster. Oh yeah, I remember Boozer. And yeah. it, to me. I always thought, you know, I grew up in a small part of town of San Diego. I was just like, I'm good. I'm going to go play D1 somewhere. Like, I just had all these dreams and aspirations. I got there. When I got home, I looked at my parents in the face and I said, I'm lucky if I can play D2. (laughs) Maybe even D3. Right, right, right. It was a true eye-opener. But I was absolutely blessed that I was even invited yeah, well, you must have been doing something right. You must have been good. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing something right, but yeah. trust me, when I got there, uh, I I knew um, <laughs> I knew I wasn't at the at where I wanted to be. How about that? Right, right. Yeah, so it was an eye opener, and it was a true blessing, and I absolutely loved it. So you know, talking alongside of what we're just talking about with with players going to the next level, whether it's Division One, Division II, um, on overseas, uh, NBA. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at your guys' accolades here on your webpage, and you've been, in, you've been around for 30 years. You guys got 40-plus professional athletes, um, 100-plus Division One players, uh, over 300 um, college athletes, you know, playing Division Two, D3, uh, it doesn't matter if you're playing JUCO, all Those that. Numbers, it's, probably, it's probably more than that, though. It's probably more than that. That's, okay. That's just, that's being conservative so that people doesn't, don't go crazy. But okay, yeah, absolutely, I understand. numbers. But, but for me, what, like, the eye-opener for me, which I have to try to tell parents sometimes, is that it's less than 1% go and play Division One. Am I correct? Yeah, it's not many. It's not many. I don't know what that number is, but it's definitely not many. It's not many. So... On that, what what is the advice that you give your players and your parents, them coming through your program? Uh, it, it obviously depends on the, the, the kid and the, and the family and the family structure and and their level of talent. Um, obviously, most of our kids are talented. Most of our kids are getting Division One scholarships, and I would say that's like ninety percent of them. Um, so, um, you know, everyone's journey is different. It's like. You have to custom make every journey. The thing that I think we've done very well with our program is I think that we've done a good job of of really um, honing in on everyone's individual brand in a team concept, which is very hard in AU when all the parents want what they want, all the kids want what they want. Everybody wants maximum media. Everyone wants maximum offers and maximum opportunities. You have to find a way to get all those things so everyone can get all the stuff that they want individually in a team concept so that you can get the whole thing and get everyone's goals as a group collectively, which is very hard to do. So um, especially when it's not like a high school, AAU people can just leave. I mean, if they're not happy, they can leave. So 
Um, we've been very fortunate to be able to, we've recruited the right kids. Most of our kids we've recruited early and they've stayed the course. And that's what makes ours a little different. Like I tell a lot of people, like the 2018 team, which I think will go down as one of the best of all time, um, Onyeka Okongwu, who's the number six pick in the draft last year, Evan Mobley, who will be a top three pick this year, his brother Isaiah, Jared Lucas, the all-time California leading scorer, and Johnny Juzang, who will also possibly be in this draft, uh, Jalen Clark and Isaiah Hill. Those kids, all those kids, all seven of those kids, never wore another AAU uniform. And that is, that's almost unheard of. Even when we didn't play, they never played for nobody else. So they've only put the Compton Magic uniform on um, since the eighth grade. And that's very much unheard of in our space today where kids are jumping around and playing with multiple AAU teams. But it also shows the, how solid their, their, their family structures are right. and their backgrounds are. So, again, if, you, if you're dealing with those type of kids and parents, it's not as hard because you know that you're dealing with super solid um, family structures behind wow. those kids, which wow. is very important. Yeah, that's really, really cool. That that definitely, I mean, I you know, I have seven club teams myself, and I got, I got coaches um, and other parents pulling at certain individuals that are part of my program that are very talented to come play and wear their uniform and do this and do that, and, and they, they're pretty much offering them the world, you know? Yep, yep. And, and I understand, and, and what's, what's a blessing to me is I have families and, and kids that, you know, I've, I've honed in on them since they were seven years old. Um, they're, they're now 15 years old. They're, they're doing um, phenomenal things. And you know what? It's, it's the loyalty, you know, they, people had doubts about them when they were 10 and 11 years old, which is crazy. Cause it's just a child, but they understand that and they see that. So they, they stay true to their roots, which is really cool. Um, what is one of the main things you want all your players to walk away from, um, in your program? The main thing I want them to walk away from is, and again, you see, we try to we try to lead by example in our program, right? With all the work that we do in the community, and like I don't, I think some of the stuff as a as an AAU program, a lot of programs are starting to step up and do some things, which is awesome. But I think you know we were the ones who pioneered that. I mean, like I think everyone like helps kids, right? And so, like helping kids is helping the community. So that you know, having a team and taking kids up the street and and. and helping them travel and see new things. All those things are, are, are great for, for helping your community. Um, but the next step is, is going in and helping, really helping others by programs, programming and the, some of the stuff we do in our elementary schools in Compton and, and a lot of the things we do with the homeless and just different programs that are really going into the community and diving in and hopefully, hopefully teaching your kids that if they are uh, fortunate enough to make it, wherever it is, making it, you know, as a executive corporately or make it in the NBA or make it overseas, that they'll come back and, and help the next person. So, like, there's, there's, there's all kind of crazy things that we do, but, you know, one of the great things we do is uh, that we have been doing is, is the little Feed the Homeless program. And I think what that does for our kids is a lot of our kids aren't from those backgrounds now. When I first started the Content Magic, all of our kids are from those backgrounds. Right. We had all kind for the first 15, 20 years, we had all Compton kids. We had nothing but Compton kids. And we had all kids from, from deprived backgrounds. Yes. Now the kids um, that we have aren't uh, necessarily from those backgrounds, but we take them back to see that so that when they see that, they can realize how fortunate that they are to have the parents that they have, to have the living situations that they have, because there's plenty of people that are in really, really bad situations that I think 
it's an eye-opener for a lot of the kids when they go back to feed the homeless in Compton. But they get to see, like, wow, like, no matter what your circumstance, you're probably fortunate. You know? Absolutely. So hopefully um, those things that we're doing are teaching our kids not to just be basketball players. They're helping them be more well-rounded individuals. And some of the things that we're talking about with them are taking this thing outside of basketball because that basketball is going to stop bouncing, and it's going to stop bouncing fast. Like they don't understand. Everyone thinks they're invincible. Their career will never be over. And at the end of the day, like, you know, chances are you're going to be done playing basketball probably by 25 or 28, even if you're talented. You're still going to be done, probably. So you have the whole rest of your life to live. What are you going to do? Right. No, you're absolutely right. No, Coach, I – oh, my gosh. You threw an amazing dime piece right there. Like, assist to you. We could say drop the mic. We're out. Peace. But that was phenomenal because you're absolutely right. I mean – when you just said that piece on the ball uh, will finally stop bouncing, you're right. The the ball gives up on you before you give up on the ball. Even when even even if you're a great player, the ball is going to stop bouncing quick, right. and you're still going to have your whole life to live. So if you haven't saved, like I, the funny thing is, I talked to my kid with the Hawks. I talked to him for an hour yesterday, right? And they're about to embark in the playoffs of Philly. And you know he's he's it's up and down for him because he's he's doing well for where he should. He's playing behind the best center in the NBA, Clay Capella. But he, when he gets in, he does what he's supposed to do. But you know he's it's frustrating. He's a rookie. He's 19 years old. I mean he doesn't like you know he's used to playing the whole game. He's used to being the focal point of the offense. And now he's a role player, and that's a hard transition. Now he is making he did make he's making 27 million dollars, but at the end of the day, it's still like he doesn't understand. He's frustrated. He wants to play more. You know, all those things like the, the kids want. Um, but it's like, you know, like even a kid like that who's going to probably be in the NBA for 10 to 15 years, still by the time he's done, he's going he's to be 31, 32 years old. And he's the elite of the elite. So at that point, you still got your whole life to live. And the fir- first thing I asked him yesterday when I talked to him, I said, hey, man, you ain't spending no money, are you? So I asked him, <laughs> what, are you, you, what, what are you doing? Hey, and he's like, no, I haven't spent any of my time. I said, good. Okay, because we have him, we have him on a plan to where he's going to save every penny of his contract money. So um, you know, it's just things like that. Even with kids that are talented, the ball will stop bouncing. Like, are you planning for that? Are you preparing for that? Even when you make a lot of money, are you preparing for that? Especially if you're not making a lot of money, are you preparing for that? Because I'm the first person that all these kids come to when that ball stops bouncing. Right, because they because they usually because they usually are looking to find a job or want to be in basketball or whatever it is. Think they can do what I do? I don't know, but like the funny thing is, as soon as dudes can't play hoop anymore, they all want a job in hoop. Right, they don't want to work. You know what I mean? Right. So they want to find something that's fun to do. But it, you know, like if this what what we do is not something that like I had people don't understand when I first did this. I had a full time job. I didn't do this. Yeah, you're like me. Like that's me right I, now, I coach. I didn't. Like I had a full time job for the for most of the time doing this for twenty five years. I worked in corporate America and I did this. It wasn't like I was just doing this and living off basketball. So um, I had to, you know, I've only been self employed for ten years. Right. No, oh, I love it, Coach. That's me. I I work for uh, I work for an amazing city here in San Diego, the city of Del Mar. Um, and I do my nine to five. I get off of work. I go five days a week where I have my own practices with my club teams. And on the weekends, we're we're grinding away in the gym. Same thing I did. Same thing I did when I when I first started. Well, I'm not gonna say I first started the whole way when I first started all the way until 2010. 
<laughs> you know, I've, I've only been self-employed since 2010. I was fortunate enough that my wife had a good job in mortgage and I was doing well and I was doing some events and she was like, hey, you know, go chase this thing. Like I got the benefits, I'm making good money. And you know, that's the only reason I got to quit because she had a six figure job. Right. I mean, you know, like it wasn't like I just quit my job and said, I'm just gonna go do basketball and see what happens. Right. You know, right. so I was like, I've always been stable that way. And um, that's the thing that people don't understand because a lot of these guys are running around like, you know, just trying to do basketball and make a living out of it. And it's not what this is. Right. And it's, it's definitely tough. not what this is. No, it's not. You know, the the one thing I do like is that you're creating men. You know, you're creating somebody that is going to be a positive role model, which I'm trying to also do in our community and for the future. And one statement that I believe that really spells that out for you guys was when I, I, I walked in your guys' facility this weekend, um, this past weekend, excuse me, and I saw a t-shirt and it said, a brotherhood that lasts forever. And that really stood out to me because the players that I went to battle with in high school and in college, I still talk to those guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's a brotherhood. Well, it's, 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 you know what, man? I like, I think that we've created a very, very unique culture, which is why, you know, you called me and said, hey, you guys are the top 80 team in the country. I think a lot of people know that. I think people see that our kids are tight. Like this year when our when we had that remarkable situation in the tournament where we had, I think we had like eight guys in the Sweet 16. And we had, it was crazy. Like we had Jared Lucas at Oregon State. We had the four kids at UCLA, four kids at USC. And they're all back at the Elite Eight and Final Four communicating right. still. You know what I mean? Like they still push each other and talk to each other and, and they're still tight. And it helps them motivate the next guy to be great. Like, you know, so it's like it's it's something that I think people really got their eyes on during this year's NCAA tournament when they saw that 2018 team pretty much dominate the NCAA tournament. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and a lot of that is, like, the brotherhood that they formed as eighth graders. Right. They've been together forever. Like, so... Like, they've been watching each other succeed, and now they're on the floor watching each other succeed. And I want to say it was, like, Isaiah, Evan, Jared, um, Jalen. It was, like, four or five of them that all played together out of the, out of the eight that, played the, that all played together. And it's, it's just crazy to see, like, how successful they all are in their own space. And I think they'll continue to be. But, again, like, their brotherhood from – their brotherhood starts that that bond starts from us like they right. didn't know each other till they got to our team you know so when we put them all together from all these different places you know they became real brothers and like they still like it's just it's crazy the connection that all of our kids have and through social media now where you can connect without being in front of somebody like all of our kids are connected even the older ones and the alumni and everyone wears that flag very proudly you know right no that's awesome man I, I love that now you bring in up social media. Now I know, um, you know, because I also, you know, I, I I post highlights of of our teams. I post individual highlights of of certain players that are very talented in our program. So I know that social media has a a good side to it, but it also has an ugly side to it, where 
you know, there is some malicious things. There's some backlash. There's some hate on there. How do you guys feel about the whole social media? Your thoughts with your kids and program? Well, social media, like, it's a double-edged sword, right? It's right. tons of good and tons of bad. There's tons of bad. The bad is, is that it allows anybody that doesn't have any expertise to have an opinion or have a voice, which sometimes can be damaging to kids, to players, to coaches, to teams, right? When you have someone's grandmother, like, because they can hide. They don't know who's who. And they can say anything they want to say. And then the positive part about it is, is it is a place where you're always allowed to tell your story. And I tell people, like, all the time, because they'll be like, hey, well, you got all this stuff on social media. And I'm like, yeah, well, because it's like you have to, like, first of all, you have to consistently tell your story. And depending on um, if your story is, especially if your story is compelling. And hopefully we're helping you write a compelling story. That's the point. Like, the point is, is let's write as many compelling stories as we can for all of our kids, right? Right. And that doesn't mean, that doesn't just mean Evan Mobley. It also means Isaiah Hill. It also means Jalen Clark, not just Onyeka Okongwu. So the key is, is that you know you're able to use that 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 power and that strength to write stories for the guys who can't write their own stories, too. Right. You know. So for me, I, I I didn't want to. I never wanted to get on social media. My wife forced me on it, and I want to say it was like in 2012, and she's like, "Hey, you gotta get out. You have to get on this." And I'm like, "I'm not doing that because I was older already." Right. I'm like, "I'm," and then. Um, when I got on it, I realized how important it was because uh, obviously we started to get good. We had good players. And the one, you know, social media for, for content magic is one of our strengths. Um, I would say our social media is by far the, the, the most, the, the, the biggest social media in our, in our space. Uh, if you do, if we, I did a graphic and I went and compared everyone's social media and ours was by far Instagram, Twitter, the best in grassroots basketball. So, like, we, we probably take pride in that. And taking pride in that um, also helps us get more resources. Like, you got to realize that brands like Adidas, Nike, everybody, Under Armour, like, those things are important. Your reach, um, being able to tell your story to, to, to as many people as you can is important, and you obtain resources. The more resources you obtain, the, the more kids you can help, the more right. people you can help. So, like, that's the power of that because – Social media definitely is an indicator for brands. Okay. And, um, you know, like, uh, there's a lot of things we have going on, obviously, with our brand and, and other sponsorships that we're dealing with, but, you know, that's an important part of it. And if people, if you, you know, don't look at social media importantly, you're probably not going to get sponsored at a high clip. Right. Okay. Okay. Now, what, what do you think about um, mental health? Now, I know for a fact... It's huge. I mean, you're an ex-player. I'm an ex-player. You know, you got you got parents screaming down your neck. You got coaches. Um, and that's a lot of pressure, especially trying to make it to the next level or even playing on a grand stage like a Compton Magic's tournament or a grassroots tournament. Um, how important is the mental health and how do you guys um, deal with your players um, along that uh, along that side of I think I think it's I think you have to keep that all in perspective because to me it's like I, I get it it's a clinical term for you know stuff that's going on today but when I grew up we didn't have that so I'm I fight with that sometimes you know I mean okay. I fight with it because like when I grew up like we had you know things happened and you know bad shit happened and right. we dealt with it you know what I mean it's like but we didn't have a clinical term for that. Right, if it, uh, mental health when I grew up was mental was mental health like mental institution, 
That's yeah. what mental health was when I grew up. You know what I mean? Yeah. So now mental health is um, player soft. You know, I think I think things that society newer things, maybe technology, maybe it's social media, whatever it is, it's created this new space, right? That we're calling mental health. That obviously is it's a thing, and people and people are going through it, and people have to figure out. You know, we have COVID and all these different issues that, I mean, that people are, that are new that people are dealing with, I guess, that puts things in, in that place. Um, and I'm torn on that comment because it's like, hopefully we're providing them um, the, 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 the headspace in our space to help them get through those things so they don't experience it as deeply as you would so bad things don't happen. Um, but, it, you know, it's, it's a space that's, it's, obviously it's rapidly with the music and, and all these different things. Like, and I don't, I don't listen to that music, but you know, there's a lot of music now that's in that whole mental illness space. Right. That, right. You know, kid that talks to kids, like, and kids are listening to these, these musicians that, that, that rap and do these things and sing in that space, which takes them to that space. Right. Right. And those are things that as an, I'm 52 years old that I might not understand as well as someone a little younger. Um, but my son tells me about it because my son's best friend committed suicide last year. Oh man, and, sorry. Um, you know, like I was watching this movie called Waves Dealer Day, and it was like kind of one of those shows that like a kid is troubled, and and like it's the same type of thing. And my son was listening to the music on the on the show, and it's all that kind of music. And he's like, "This reminds me of Donovan because like it was all the music that he listened to," you know. And, uh, so like those are things like as a fifty-two-year-old, I don't quite understand. Okay. You know what I mean? Like I don't, because I didn't like when I was their age. Like man, I played basketball and had fun, and like I didn't even. And we didn't have we didn't have that. When no, I was we didn't. I'm didn't forty-two. I'm forty-two, and we didn't have that. I just yeah, think, we didn't have that. Yeah, so, I mean, I, like even like one of my teammates is homeless right now, and he's homeless in L.A. And he's the only guy that I know out from my old college team that's not doing well. And but I mean, like you know, like he. And I'm sure he's mentally he's got that problem now, but he was fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like there's nobody that I know that was going through crazy stuff like that. Really, like there's might be a guy or two, but like how crazy, how how prevalent it is now. Like remember when we were coming up, that wasn't it, it wasn't even. A clinical term for no, us, for, no. for people like us, it wasn't a term. No, there wasn't. But I, I also don't think there was as much pressure that it is now because players no play or, more or perceived games. pressure. Excuse me. I, I call it perceived pressure. Okay. Because pressure is relevant to to your circle, right? right? Like, like this is the thing: if you have a kid who comes from a family who's wealthy, right? Right. And they know that. They're going to get a scholarship, or they're going to go to college, whether it's basketball or not. There's not much pressure, right? Now, if you got a kid who's like everything they got relying on this ball, there's, there's a little more pressure. But right. it's relevant to who your circle is too. I mean that that makes it depends on like if your mother or your father or if your single parent home is, is is stretching education and not stressing basketball, it's less pressure, right? If they're stressing basketball all the time and that's all it's about, there's more pressure. So it is relevant to your circle and what your circle is around you. And if those, if your circle is helping you alleviate pressure through conversations, through education, through other things, through other sports, through 
being well-rounded, I mean, stuff like that. Now, if you're not well-rounded and you're focused all on hoops and that's all you got, that's, you're right, that is an element of pressure, but that is all relevant to your circle and people around you, you know? Yeah, I love that. I like that. Yeah, I, I try to get my son to to be a little well, well-rounded. well You know, he's an artist, so he draws. I'm like, hey, man, you know, get lost into your music, your groove, get your drawing yeah. out of the way. You know, hey, let's let's watch some movies or let's go to a movie. Let's go on a hike. Like, let's just get out of the element of the gym. And then, yeah. then we got to go back and grind. Then we go back and grind the next day. There it is. So, like, I have my son's 24 and my daughter's 16 and I have a 12-year-old daughter. So, I have three. But my 24-year-old son just graduated from Cal State San Bernardino. Now, when he played, he played on the Content Magic, but he, he played on a team that had three NBA players. He played on a team with T.J. Leaf. E.K. E.K. Bogle and Jalen Hands. He was on that team. So, but people don't even know that I have a son. My son played on that team, but he didn't play much because the reality of it is, like, when my son came through, he wasn't that serious about basketball. Right. So, like, for me, I used to take him to train and do all that, but when I figured out that that's not exactly where his thing was, like, he was he was good, but he wasn't but he wasn't as good as those guys. Right. And he wasn't that serious about it. So, like, his sophomore year, I was like, look, man. Don't have me driving you to training and driving you all these all over Southern California, and you and I care more than you. Yeah, you know. So like, this is my own son. So I had to reevaluate with him. Like I said, look, at man, when you're ready to really get at this, let me know. Until then, do what you do. So I stopped taking him to all that shit. I yeah. Stopped it. Yeah, like, because I, I guess what? And then, and, then, and, then, and, and at the end of the day, it's like he ended up going to Division Two and getting a scholarship, which is fine. But that was his. That, but I took the pressure off. Yes. Like yes. I didn't. Like I, even as a dad who deals with all these high level guys, like when I smelled that that wasn't what he exactly wanted to do, he wasn't completely engaged. I let it go. Yeah, you got I let to. It go. You got to because guess what? It's his journey and it's it's his book that he's writing. It's not yours. Exactly. Exactly. So I took all the pressure off. I let it go. Yeah, I, I let do him that do with it, my son. Let him be who he wanted to be. Do who he wanted to do. Do him. He got into it a little bit more. Was better at, as a senior in high school. Then he went D two at Cal State, and you know he got his degree. And that's all. This all I, told, I told him, listen, man. All I care, and I, and I put him over there because those coaches. I knew those coaches would help him through school. But I said, listen, all I care is that you get your degree. Just get your degree. Yeah. Get your degree. I don't care what you do. Just get your degree. And he did that. And now he's functional. But my point to you is, is that for me, like I wasn't hounding him and, and I was at first and then when, in the 10th grade when I figured out that that's not what he wanted to do I backed off yeah you gotta back off yeah you're absolutely right man I love that you did that because I do that with my son I'm like look man if you want to do this you know obviously work hard you know um, play at the top level if you can but if you want to do it and just have fun with it like play but not be at like crazy high level bro that's okay we we good but, but as a parent, you know. though, that's what I'm saying. You're creating an app. That's what I'm saying. So as a circle, you're creating a space where you're not, where you're 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 constantly paying attention, but you're not going to apply pressure that's going to send them into a mental illness space. That's right. my point. Like so, like it really depends on your circle because your circle is the one that's going to put you in that space if they're putting that kind of pressure on you. Like like for me, like I'm the person who deals with the ultimate pressure with the ultimate guys, draft picks, NBA guys, high level college guys. Right. And if I can see that in my own kid, then that's a, then everyone else is a problem if they can't. Because I'm dealing with it all the time. And for me and my own kid, it was I, my 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 younger one is going to be a superstar. She's really good. She plays volleyball, not basketball, but. 
Like it's like I'm watch. I'm very watching. I'm watching both of my girls, and I'm watching them very slowly, and I'm watching them carefully, just to make sure that that's not happening. You know what I mean? Like that's as parents, that's our job. I mean to make sure that our kids aren't putting that kind of pressure on themselves to put themselves in that space. Yes. Oh, I love it, Coach. It's phenomenal. What was the best piece of advice you have ever received in your life? Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to even call it advice, but I will tell you this. I'm going I'm to give some advice because I think a lot of people see success, but they don't realize what goes behind all the success, right? So right. it's like we get to 2021 or now, and then, you know, Compton Magic has all these draft picks and all this shit going on, but it's like you go back to, you know, 1997 or 2004, no one cared about the Compton Magic. No one gave two shits about what we were doing. Right. No one No one cared anything. Like, no one, you know, like, we. but the whole thing is we were working our butts off to, to help kids and do what we could in the community. We were doing all that, but no one cared. Now that we have all the pros and, you know, there's this glitz and glamour part of it and whatever that, that, you know, the part that I don't necessarily care too much about, but it's that part of it that, it skews like all the crazy sacrifice and hard work that goes into getting somewhere. And like, I've always been super driven. Like I just, and it's been something that's like when I was 12 years old, I worked in a garbage truck. Like I just always been so like, I always wanted, I've always been that guy I had a paper route. I've always had a job. I've always been that guy that's been really driven. Even as a kid, I was a little different. And I'll just tell I just, like I'll just say to people, it's like, you know, like if you really want something, like first of all, it's not going to happen overnight, but you just got to really go hard. Yes. If you go super hard in your space, whatever space that is, I mean, uh, it doesn't have to be basketball, whatever space you're in. If you go super hard, normally you're going to put yourself in position to be lucky. And I'm not calling it luck. I'm going to call it putting yourself in position to be lucky and good things happen. Absolutely. I, I that's, 100% that's, agree that's with you. That's the I give somebody. I love it, Coach. I uh, completely agree with you. I mean, I like bend over backwards on, on my program from the beginning. And it was it was tough. And there was a lot of times that I felt and heard from people, maybe you should just give it up. And I just, Yeah, I've been, I've been, been in that spot too, man. Trust me. I've been, there's been times early on in my career where I was working a job and I'm like, why am I doing this? Parents are mad at me. I'm like, wait a minute. First of all, spending my own money for yep. you guys to travel all over the country. I don't even have a real I don't even have a real shoe deal. So I'm spending my own money and you're still mad at me? Like so I would be I, there was times where trust me, I questioned doing what I was doing, but then there would always be, you know, the gem of a parent or the gem of a kid that kept me engaged to where I realized what my what my passion and my goals were. Right. That I said that you know what, this is the reason why I do this and why I'm doing it. Because even now, like where you know, there's there's you know, it's good and for the most part, you know, we can dictate our journey at this point. But, you know, there's still times where I'm like, you know, <laughs> like, you know, parents want what they want. And people yeah. want what they want. And people are going to be mad at you for helping them. Absolutely. And to me, that's, to, to me, that's retarded. I mean, <laughs> but it's reality. But it's retarded that you can sit there and you could, like, I'm going to use you as an example. You go to work and you spend all your, every minute of your day after work helping other people's kids and obviously there's a means to the end but they don't look at it like that they look at it like oh this guy's over here you know he's trying to make money or whatever they're thinking you're doing and you're just like man bro i don't need this no i don't like my life would be 
my life would be so much better if I didn't have a drama of your kids. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? It really would. Like, for me, I think it's like, shit, my life would be so much less complicated if I could just focus on what I got going on in my house than focus on a hundred other households that I have to focus on. Yes, you're absolutely right, man. Like, drop the mic, yes. So, you know, I mean, it's like people, they can only see what they can see. A lot of people are ignorant and it's like people that, that, that are really doing it. And I was on a Jeff, I was on Jeff Goodman's podcast last week and he had a bunch of people on there, college coaches and NBA guys. And, you know, I, I, we, we were talking about a lot of these things. I mean, just how, just how thankless this, this, I don't want to call it a business. I want to call it this hobby how thankless this hobby is because it's yep. not a business for most. It's a hobby. And um, it's just a thankless place because people really only focus on their only immediate situation. They don't think about what you may have going on. You know, like it's like I'm, I was putting my dad in a home. I put my dad in assisted living last month and um, um, he needs 24-hour care from okay. a nurse. So I had to go check him in assisted living. And... Um, that day, my phone's going off the hook. Like, people are calling me on, on stupid shit. And I'm like, hey, guys, I'm putting my dad in a home today. Like, I have a life. Yeah, like, like you hey, know, I'm can getting wait till tomorrow. everything. Like, do that. I need this, 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 that, this, that. And I'm like, I have a personal life, too. Like, yeah. sometimes I got to do some stuff. I'm not, like, 24-hour call, 24-hour AAU call. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Someone that gets it like me. Hey, man, I be laying in bed at 11 o'clock at night watching a movie with my wife, just decompressing, and my phone's blowing up, and my wife's like, Absolutely. why? What? I'm like, I don't know why they're texting me right now. Yeah, and, and the whole thing is your wife's sitting there going like, hey, man, you just spent like, you spent $1,000 out of our account so you guys can go to the Magic Memorial Tournament, and it's like, these people, people are calling you at 11 o'clock, you're spending our money, like, what, well, why are we doing this? Like, I mean, like, trust me, like, I went through 20 years of that, 25 years of like, hey, like, ooh, this thing's a black hole. Like, what are we doing? All we're doing is throwing money in this damn black hole for other people who are mad at us. Like, what are we doing this shit for? So, like, they don't see that side of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, they don't. But you do it because you care about the, the kids. You do it because you uh, love basketball. You're helping people. You do it because you love it, man. It's like, yeah. it's, listen, man, I call it basketball crack. And we're all addicted. Yes. We're all on crack, and we all love it. And <laughs> even though we, like, there's times where we don't get paid and times where we, we're doing it just for the love of it, times when people are bugging us, they're mad at us, we're addicted. We're on crack. We're on that basketball crack. And you can't, like, for me, I, I was doing it before. Like, I did it in 93. I didn't ever intend on this thing being what it is. I really didn't. I was just working a job, and, and I was a high school coach. I was a high school coach at Compton High, and I was just trying to take care of our kids. I didn't really even know what AAU was or cared about it, and then we just turned our high school team into, like, an AAU team, and we started doing it, but I never, like, envisioned it becoming this big thing. Now, once we got started to get good, then I put the gas behind it, and I did that, but, like, that wasn't my goal when I started it. That wasn't the, the intentions at all right oh man i love it so besides basketball what sport has the best athletes you think athletes athlete yeah probably track and field i mean you know okay. i mean track field basketball uh, maybe soccer stuff where you have, cra have to have crazy endurance 
and obviously football. I mean, you know, you have to be a physical specimen for football, but the endurance sports, um, the, the the endurance sports, um, you know, I think require the most athleticism. Like obviously, track, field, basketball, soccer, where you're where you're running and got to be in crazy shape, and you know, then you throw in football because of strength too. But right, you know, yeah, all those type of sports. If you could create your um your own dream team, who would be your uh, top five? What do you mean, like as far as like in the NBA? Yeah, like you get to create your own dream team, you know, um, your your own um, Olympic team. It's, who would be your first? Well, five? Does, it, does it include guys that play? Just the guys that play now, or are old school guys? Old too? school guys, whoever you want. Whoever I want. Okay, so my favorite player of all time is Dr. J. So yeah. Julius Irving is going on there no matter what because that's just my guy. Whether he's whether people think he's good enough or not. Um, Michael Jordan, obviously. Right. Um, Shaquille O'Neal. Okay. Um, you know, like, I, it's hard for me to compare the times because, you know, I want to say old school guys like Bill Russell and Will Chamberlain, but I can't, I can't transcend them into new basketball. So I don't know, like, what that, what, what their greatness at their time means. Oscar Robinson, people like that. So, I think you got to put a time for. I think you got to cut those old guys out because if you look at history, you got to put like the guys like Kareem, Oscar Robinson, Will Chamberlain, Bill Russell. Those guys got to be in that conversation. They could, but be. it's hard to translate them into the into modern basketball. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. So let me ask you this: If you could train any player that is now retired or passed away. Besides Kobe Bryant, please don't say Kobe Bryant. Who would that? I'm not be gonna think. I know. I know Kobe's trainer, so I'm, okay. I was gonna say like Kobe. I know. I wouldn't train Kobe. Okay. Kobe won't. Kobe won't stop. Okay. Yeah. He's but crazy. Who, who would it be and why? Um. You know, it's crazy because like, and I'll tell you like, Kobe and Michael probably two of the craziest workers. Like they'll work your ass out. Like they'll like I know Kobe's trainer, and I know Michael's trainer. So, like, you know, it's like those guys are just, like, on a whole different level as far as, like, their work ethic. And, but I would try to, I would want to train with somebody who I could, I would want to train someone who I could get a ton of knowledge from. Um, so, it would probably be someone more old school. Uh, it, would probably, it would probably be somebody like, like Michael Jordan. Someone more old school because the new school guys, I know a lot of them. I know the new school guys. Okay. And I know him from when I probably know a lot of the guys from when either they were young. I mean, I know Baron Davis and I know Paul Pierce. You know, I, I saw their evolution in high school. Tyson Chandler, a lot of the LA guys, Kevin Garnett. Right. Um, I've seen them, and I don't, I don't know Kevin Garnett, but I've seen them develop. I've seen their whole journey. I've seen a lot of their journey, like Paul Pierce and Baron. I've seen their journey up close. So, um, you know, I know their trainers and the people that are around them. But I would probably say, like, I would say Michael Jordan. Okay, I would okay. say Michael Jordan. Now would you? I would just, I would just love to know all the stories, man. I just want to hear the stories of. Yeah, me too. Just all the things that he went through, like cause it's just, it just seems crazy. Like just being that great, you know what you go through. Absolutely. What What are your thoughts on uh, Shay Cotton, Manchild? So I know Shay. Like you know Shay. Like uh, the crazy thing is when Shay was in high school, me and Shay were close because Shay lived by me. He lived near me. I was coaching at Compton High at the time. And I, at the time, we had a Reebok sponsorship at Compton High. Okay. And Shay was 
uh, a Nike kid, but he liked Reeboks. He liked um, casual Reeboks. So, uh, you know, I was a Shea shoe guy. Like, I got shit. Like, Shea would come to my house. Kick. Like, I knew Shea when he very well. I've known the Cottons good, so I know Shea very well. I know him as a person. I know him outside of basketball. Good. Right. So even though, like, he didn't ever play for me, like, you could assume he played for me because, like, like we were friends, like, he played for me. You know what I mean? Right. Like, so I know him well. But, I mean, you know, like, Shea, this, it's, if you would have told me that he was never going to play in the NBA, I would have told you you're crazy. Right. Like, I thought he was the most NBA-ready high school player, definitely in that era. Like, he was the most dominant high school dude ever. Like, like he when he went, when they played Nogales his sophomore year, they lost one game that year. They lost to Ron Mercer at Oak Hill. They lost to Oak Hill that year. That was the only game they lost by two. Um, they played no gallus in the CIF championship at the Anaheim Pond. They put 17,000 people in the stands, and it was a blowout. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, that's the kind of – people don't understand, like, how this dude was a rock star now. I mean, like, they don't know that – like, for me, like, if you were to, were to tell me that he was never going to play in the NBA, I would have bet everything I owned on that. Right. Me too. Me too. I mean, He's a great I, I, human being. Because remember, I, I watched his star power from up close. I knew him. He's a friend. Right. So I, I, I was there. I was there through the whole thing. Yeah. So man, I mean, that like, must have been you, amazing. I mean, again, all the things that happened to him were unfortunate. Yeah. And um, it just goes to show you sometimes that your talent, because there's no way his talent should have been, he should have been in the NBA by far, but, you know, he kind of got blacklisted. Yes, he did. He got blacklisted. That thing happened with with UCLA, and then he ended up having to go to Alabama, JC, and they went to Alabama, and it just like you know that's I mean like when that happens, it just goes to show you no matter how talented you are, you got to have your affairs in order. You just do, right? I mean because the NBA even back then, I mean sometimes that stuff can come back to bite you in the ass. And nowadays, even now with social media and camera phones, and remember back then we didn't even have camera phones, so right. Um, with camera phones and all things that you can do wrong, the NBA is not. I mean, you got to. I mean, they're not taking any goofy stuff now. I mean, you can't be, you can't be go against the grain. No matter how talented you are, you can't go against the grain and, and play in the league. The league doesn't tolerate any of that. Oh so. yeah, you're absolutely right. Well, are you excited about um, the NBA switching over the uh, twenty? Was it 2022? Now kids can uh, enter into the draft in high school. Is that is that that is that's not that's not done yet. It's not done, that's but not it's done. supposed to be, Mm-mm. right? Mm-mm. Supposed to. The word has been that that's going to happen, but that's not hasn't happened yet. Some people say it may not happen. Mm. And I know the word was out that it was going to happen, but um, they've been backtracking now. I don't know. What are, What are your thoughts about that? Do you think that they should be allowed? Absolutely. I do too. I feel. The I same mean, why, I mean, well, well, let me ask you a question. Why? Can every sport but basketball and football that are dominated by black and brown, black and brown dominate those sports? And why why are those the only two sports where people can't do that? Golf, tennis, everyone else goes pro when they're 13 years old. So my thing is, is that like, you think LeBron, LeBron just played in college? Are you kidding me? Like, what happens if he got hurt or anything could happen? Right. You know? No, changes greatness. Right. It changes greatness. Kobe, like all those guys, like some of those guys are just destined. Like, come on, man. Like, there's no way. Like, I watched LeBron James in high school. There is no way he should play a year of college. Like, there's no way that he shouldn't have went straight to the NBA. Like, 
And that who knows? It could have changed his greatness. A bad college coach, an injury, like who knows? No, you're it's you're what you saying is facts, complete facts. So that's scary. That scares me for kids that are like that. Don't get me wrong. It the one thing bad thing it does is it does make other kids delusional. Yes. And that's the, the delusional child. That's not good. There's gonna be that's gonna be bad for some kids because they'll be delusional and they'll do it and it'll ruin their life. You know, but you know, it also it, it hurts the kid who is really ready because there are gonna be some kids that can do it. Right. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, you're right. Well, hey, coach, you dropped crazy, crazy knowledge. You some dimes. I loved it. I mean, I'd love to have you on again. You know, I'm, I'm always wanting to come back to your uh, your your events that you throw with my teams. Um, but thank you, truly, truly, thank you for being on. Anytime, my man. Love to be on. I appreciate you having me on, man. Appreciate it.